Hello. Hello. Hi, Dave. Welcome to Sustainable 4. Thanks. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, thanks. Uh, in uh, the People's Republic of North Somerset, where I currently am, is freezing. Is it cold where you are? Yeah, it's very, very chilly. I am in Loughborough Junction, as usual. Um, and yeah, we're, this is our weekly podcast where we talk about the environment and stuff and how it's all difficult and we don't really understand and um, as usual, we should say that we are from environmental charities who we work for, but this is not their thing, it's our thing. So if you've got any problems, have a go at us, not them. Yeah, and you probably will have problems if you're paying any sort of attention. <laughs> and thank you for paying attention. We've got, we've got multiple people listening to this show. That's right. We've got more than two, which is multiple. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. Okay, shall we crack on? Let's crack on. Sustainable of the week. So this week we have not one but two sustainable's. It is a babble bonus. Are you excited? I'm very excited. A brace of babbles. What a sustainable week it's been. <laughs> it's been, but they've really done us proud this week. Yeah. In the red corner, in this duel of nonsense, is the Labour Party. Oh, welcome. Say welcome. welcome to the Labour Party. Welcome Labour Party. Jolly good. And Help yourself you to remember a bacon last... sandwich. <laughs> Yeah. You remember last week how we got in a bit of a tiz about natural capital and um, your man Dieter Helm. Uh, Well, not to be outdone, Labour have had a go. And um, (laughs) I'm very excited. So in the guise of some big speech about trees or forests or something, you know, it's a standard thing where Labour say um, the Tories are nasty and evil and they're not going to be nasty and evil. And Tories say Labour are profligate with the economy, don't know what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. You know, whatever, standard bish-bash politics. So we did a bit of that. And we had um, Angela, uh, no, no, Maria Eagle. Oh, God, I can't remember which one. An Eagle. An Eagle. Um, Sam the Eagle. Yeah, (laughs) Eddie. Eddie Eddie the the Eagle. Eddie the Eagle. (laughs) Labour's environment spokesperson. They gave a big old speech um, about trees and how the forests weren't going to be sold off under Labour and made lots of interesting pledges, including they were going to bring nature closer to people by making public access to green spaces a priority. Uh, What? I I don't know what that means. I think it means you're going to sort of lift some squirrels up and and drop them on your lap or something or put them in a Put them in a, a, a wheelie uh, trailer thing and take them around the neighbourhood and knock on people's doors and say, "Look, squirrels." That's it. Yeah, isn't exactly. It? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have some nature. Here you go. What does it mean um, bring nature closer to people? Make any sense? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It make any sense? Um, anyway, sorry. Like, but they clarified by moving on to say, um, "We're going to protect and improve wildlife habitats and green spaces." By building on the work of the Natural Capital Committee. <coughs> uh, so I was with I was with them when they said you know protect and improve wildlife habitats. Yeah. Okay. Like that. But it was the it was the buy bit I had a problem because they could have said you know buy I don't know um, stopping developers bulldozing ancient woodland woodland to build shopping centres and stuff. Or, or they could or, have said or, or make make more natural habitat. That'd be all right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know plant some stuff plant, or yeah. you know introduce some some uh, pre 
extinct previously native species that could control some invasive species or something. But no, they they said we're going to build on the work of the Natural Capital Committee. I'm like, for goodness sake. So that means banging on about how we have a significant natural capital deficit and our interest flows of natural (laughs) capital are not yet fully liquid, does it? (laughs) Oh, I hope so. I hope so. It's definitely Microsoft Excel, isn't it? Isn't it? And then they and then they got they got two more little stingers in here. The next one. Uh, we encourage a step change in nature conservation Good. by empowering communities right. to protect and improve the natural environment. Right. Empowering. How do you empower a community then to protect and improve the natural environment? What do you do? Give them squirrel food? <laughs> what? <laughs> squirrel lucasade, like really, really powered up. Yeah. And communities. It doesn't. That sentence doesn't mean anything at all. Empower communities to protect and improve the natural environment. All I can think that means is that you go round, you give them loads of Red Bull and a spade, and you say, <laughs> "Off you go, dig." Can we talk about the other one? Can we talk about the demand reduction auctions? Oh please! So this is the blue corner of the babble. Blue yellow. Blue yellow. Te- blue yeah, 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 yellow. Yeah, yeah. Greeny corner. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me about it. What happened? This is wonderful. We're we're indebted <laughs> to our to our friend at the Mushy P for pointing this one out to us. So the government has has done a press release this week, and they're so pleased with themselves that they've used an exclamation mark. And the press what? release says that what they've done is they've spent one point two eight million pounds which is, you know, a lot, to uh, to help reduce demand by at least 1,855,548 kilowatt hours across the country, which is equivalent to making over 37 million cups of tea, hyphen one for every person in Great Britain over the age of 35, exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. Yeah. So what they've done, they've spent loads They're of money. So excited about those teas. It's wonderful, isn't it? That's the uh, the press release equivalent of doing it in Comic Sans, right? <laughs> and what they've done is they've spent, uh, they've paid one point two eight million pounds to loads of companies to reduce their electricity demand, right? Do you want to know what that means? Please. Right. What it says here in the press release is organisations will reduce their demand in a number of ways. For example, changing their light bulbs to LED bulbs. So, okay. That's uh, one example. That's one example. Would you like to know of the organisations that they piloted with how many of the around right, about 20 organisations, 18 organisations, how many of them uh, changed from old light bulbs to new light bulbs? Yeah, go on then. All I mean, imagine, them. you know, it's it's a little bit, isn't it? They'll All be doing other things as well. All yeah. of them. What? All of them. All of them. All of them. Every, so th- this entire pilot <laughs> was paying 1.8, 1.28 million pounds to 18 companies, big companies, you know, BAE Systems, Dixons, who sell LED light bulbs, by the way, to convert to LED light bulbs. So they're paying Dixons some of our money. Yep. To convert LED to LED light bulbs, which they can probably sell to themselves yep. or just have. Yes. Oh, God. And, and why do Dixons even need to be persuaded that it's a good <laughs> idea to put LED light bulbs in? You go into a Dixons and they're all about put these LED light bulbs in, they save you money, right? So what you're telling me is the government is paying a company who thinks it's a good idea to put LED light bulbs in and sells LED light bulbs to put <laughs> LED light bulbs in. And then what it's doing is it's bringing out a press release with an exclamation mark in it talking about how <laughs> brilliant it is and how much energy it saved. That is babble of the highest order. Well done, Dave, and thank you. All right, so we've uh, we've talked about some sort of trifling UK level issues, mm. but uh, this week I want to talk about the big elephant in the room, 
um, or to use a, uh, a, a an analogy from episode one, a massive crocodile in a tiny swimming pool, which is oil, right? Oh, God, you're going to do the oil price thing, aren't you? We're going to do the oil price thing. Do we have to? It's, well, you know, we're a current affairs podcast, so the story which broke about a year ago, it's, it's, it's time we nailed it. Um, no time like the present. Can we do it <laughs> exactly. next week? <laughs> we probably still will be. It's so hard. I don't understand it. We're going to have to talk about it for days. But oil, right? right. Oil was really expensive. Yep. And everyone said it's going to carry on being really expensive. Everyone was very confident about that. And then over the course of about half an hour, as far as I can tell, it halved in price and it's now really cheap. Why? That's a very good question, and tune in next week when we'll uh, find out. <laughs> well, okay, right, so what I had to do, I knew you were going to do this to me, so what I've had to do, I've had to consult some clever people, right? Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I, I know a few, and these clever people, in particular, the wonderful James Meadway, New Economics Foundation, has done a very good load of numbers wang on this, which I don't understand much of, but I'm going to, you know, talk a bit about anyway. Basically, what's happened is people are using less oil, the US is producing more oil and Saudi Arabia are being a bunch of tarts. That's pretty much as far as I can understand what happened. And the result of all of that is that there is more oil than there had been before relative to how much people are using. So the price has gone down there. So people are using less oil. That's good, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, although, well, it depends why. Because, all right, stuff is, you know, cars are getting more efficient and things like that because of European laws. Also, though, a lot of economies, in particular you know, the aforementioned Europe, are in a bit of trouble. So demand is down for that reason as well. Okay, so, so that's not... Good news, that's good, not... good news, bad news, depending on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, fracking in the States which you, we've talked before about fracking, episode two. We talked about fracking a lot. Mostly we've been talking about fracking for gas, which is what's kind of on the cards in the UK. But in the US, they also frack for oil. Same Ooh. sort of principle, shale oil. And there's so much of it coming out that it has basically reduced significantly the amount of oil that America needs to import from other countries. So that's meant more oil sloshing about so other people can get it. Okay. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But I've got another question. Yeah. Is Vladimir Putin all right? Is he all right? I think he's probably... He's, he's not He's not gung-ho about it. You know, half of all of the taxes that he gets apparently come from fossil fuels. So he's not mad yeah, happy. Didn't know that. Yeah, he's not mad happy about the fact that he's losing loads of money. But, well, the, other, the, third, the third part of it is, couldn't we have seen this coming? Well, the Saudis then got involved, you see, and the Saudis basically could have reacted to the fact that their oil was getting cheaper by saying, oh, well, we'll, we'll you know, we won't produce so much then. But they decided not to. They decided to be um, what I believe is, is called a bunch of gits and uh, <laughs> carry on producing at the same amount they were doing anyway for all sorts of reasons that are probably outside the remit of this podcast about, like, you know, the Middle East and Venezuela and the Saudis not being the nicest monkeys in the zoo. So one, I did a bit of reading. Um, Good. You know, you know, it's it's hard for me, but I got through a paragraph or two. And one thing that leapt out at me is that the Saudis have decided that it's better to have the entire market than to have a profitable corner of it. So it's well in their interests for the price to go down so much so that it's un, it's not viable for all of the other people who have less of the market to do it. 
So they all go out yeah. of business. Yeah. And you're looking, and that's and that has implications for some of the stuff which is potentially really problematic for the climate, like drilling in the Arctic or or shale yeah. gas, because that's the really expensive stuff, right? And that's where we come that, in, isn't it? So all of this stuff. I mean, oil is. I think we've talked about this before a bit. Uh, oil is the biggest most important global commodity it's massive and sometimes you kind of forget that you know when you're banging on about you know piddly climate policy here and there um and so there's an awful lot of geopolitics and global economic stuff that quite frankly a little teeny weeny podcast like ours is going to struggle to get its head around right but uh what does it mean for climate change that's the question and what if I can do this in extreme summary from my limited understanding of it, basically it could be good for climate change or it could be bad, right? Really? So if, yeah, thanks very much. You're uh, working at a think tank suddenly. Yeah, indeed, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm working at The Economist. Could be good, could be bad, as <laughs> long as there's hand, free markets. Will be all right. Yeah. Uh, so cheaper oil means people use more oil, right? Bad for climate yes. change, right? Yeah. Cheaper oil means that it's less... Uh, interesting for oil companies to go to expensive places like the arctic and drill for oil that's good for climate change potentially and that's because it costs so much to get the stuff out that you need to be able to sell it for a lot of money to make any money on it yeah and we're seeing this here in the uk up in the north sea where if the industry is to be believed and i do not necessarily trust them entirely with everything they say although i'm sure they are all very nice people. If they are to be believed, it's getting so marginal up there now. It's getting so, like, almost not worth doing up there that they have to have huge tax breaks from the Chancellor. That's what they say. Ah, oh, poor them, poor, poor them. them. Yeah. So what then does it mean for other ways of um, generating electricity or moving about, i.e. renewables, if oil's cheap? Yeah. Aren't people going to go, well, let's use that instead of wind farms or solar panels or whatever well so uh, this is really hard uh, right well so oil doesn't make electricity a no. so it doesn't have an immediate link oil the oil price and the gas price are kind of linked historically for mostly actually for boring uh, cartelly historical reasons but generally the price of oil getting cheaper means the price of gas gets cheaper and gas is what makes your electricity so yeah. it could be that gas gets cheaper and it gets more interesting to build gas turbines however as we've said before renewables are getting cheaper too quite a lot cheaper and renewables are sort of you know, permanently getting cheaper whereas gas and oil are let's face it still finite at some point in the future, assuming demand doesn't sort of crash down through the floor, it's going to get more expensive again. So you'd still, you know, the, the economics of renewables are still much more certain than the economics of fossil fuels. Um, so does that mean this is a blip? I don't know that's if it's what, a blip. I mean, that's this, what people seem to be talking about, isn't it? I don't Very know. confidently saying either it's going to be it's going to stay low or it's going to be a blip or this was inevitable, but I, I no, no one knows any more than we do, do they, really? I don't, I don't know if it's a blip. I can ask my cat if she comes in in a minute. She might know <laughs> if it's a blip. And uh, basically, we don't, like, there's some things that we know, right? On a long enough horizon, the oil is going to run out. But in, in between now and then, we'll probably get find new ways of getting out or find new oil and the price will go up or it will go down and, you know, who knows, right? What I think the single most important thing is, as I understand it, for whether or not this is good or bad for climate change, is what happens, what do governments do now, right now, right? So at the moment, it is cheaper to drive your car than it has been for ages. It's cheaper to get oil out than it has been for ages. So everyone always bangs on about 
wouldn't it be a good idea to have a carbon tax? Well, let's do one now when people are going to hang notice on, it. Hang on, hang on, hang what on. What's a carbon tax? This is another thing I know I should really have my head around, but seldom do. It's tax do on this in, in five words. It's a tax on carbon. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so people always bang on about how we should have a carbon tax. Uh, and we need basically tax tax carbon more. It's too it's too cheap to pollute. So let's have a carbon tax, right? Uh, so let's you know let's think about doing it now. That's one thing. But also the really important thing is, and this is a year of you know, the politics of climate change being very high profile. It doesn't really matter from a climate change point of view what the economics are. Right. And this is the, you know, some, you get all of this, a great deal of sustainable can emerge around, uh, well, is it cheap or expensive to do it? Blah, blah, blah. If we don't stop burning all this oil, we are going to fry. Right. So mm. let's what we need now more than ever is our politicians to go, you know what, let's not have climate change because climate change is a bad thing. And, and whether or not it's more expensive. In fact, it could be argued that now when it's cheaper to drive your car than it ever has been is a very, very important time, even more than normal for politicians to go. We're going to do something about climate change. And anyone who's thinking about investing in fossil fuels needs to believe that. Do you think they're going to do that? I don't know. Do you think they're going to do that? I doubt it. I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm a cynic. I don't have much faith in them. I think they're much more interested in 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 passing on these savings or the petrol pump so that people can feel slightly better about their own cost of you know the living standards, and then vote for the people who they think indirectly might have been responsible for bringing that petrol price down. It's also short term and, and electoral base, isn't it? I just don't see any evidence that this lot of politicians or any lot really uh, are interested in what's going to happen um, in the big picture, in the medium to long term, um, in the in the atmosphere. Oh. <laughs> Complete and utter nasty tag of the week. I've got a question for you, Dave. Go on. Is climate change caused by astronomical events beyond our control? No. Who said that? Ah, ah. well, oh. your man in the Telegraph disagrees. This is this week's rotter of the week. Oh, beastly, awful, Swine. terrible person. <laughs> the scoundrel yeah. is your man Adrian Berry. No, never heard of him never before. Heard of him. But he, um, what does he do? He, he writes a monthly astronomy column for the Telegraph. Oh, yeah. Astronomy, not astrology. He's not. He's not a Jonathan Kainer. No. Um, but uh, and this has been flagged up to us courtesy of friend of the babble, um, Leo Hickman, yep. who uh, who's a is a bit of a legend. And yeah, he's written this, this column right, and he's saying that we're all worrying about climate change, and you know we think it can be caused by um, CO two, but actually there's stars loads of light years away which are going to explode. And they make clouds on the earth. And that's true because I say it's true. And actually, it could happen tomorrow or at some point in the next millennium. It's all it's all incredible. And there's some there's some really good kind of telegraph baiting language in here. Right. So my favorite thing is um, his phrase that says the fashionable theory of climate change caused by carbon dioxide is contradicted by all the geological evidence. All of it. Yeah, all of it. Oh, fashionable? Uh, it's not a fashionable theory. No. Fashionable is like, you know, jeans or a shit band or something. Yeah. It's not fashionable that we're all going to bloody fry. 
No, climate change doesn't go out in Hoxton with an asymmetrical haircut and drink seven pound pints of <laughs> beer and sit around talking about bands no one's heard of from Wales. Look at the skinny jeans on climate change. No, what does it mean it's contradicted <laughs> by all the geological... No, it isn't. The international UN's International Pilot Panel on Climate Change has just published... International Pilot? Pilot Panel on Climate Change <laughs> has just published two and a half thousand pages of geological evidence talking about carbon dioxide and climate change. What's he talking yep. about? Yeah, but they're fashionable pages, aren't they? On a kind of pages. fixie bike with right. short handlebars. It's so fashionable. Right. Yeah, no, he's he's good on this. And then um, <laughs> my favourite thing is his kind of ability to hark back to the good old days. And he starts by invoking the Battle of Trafalgar for no reason that I can, I can discern. Um, and then, <laughs> then he goes on to say, he refers to the famous supernova explosion of... 1054 AD. Now, I don't know if you can instantly recall that, but I think he thinks it's famous because back then everything was better before there was the internet and tellies and, you know, life just going a little bit too fast and foreigners. Yeah, exactly. When when all supernovas were British and proud to be (laughs) British and we didn't have foreign supernovas coming over here clogging up our motorways. (laughs) Prediction time! Dave, what mm. happened this week, and more importantly, what did you say was going to happen? Mm, well, okay, uh, right. Well, I said uh, my prediction was twofold. I said it would snow in London, which it did. Well, yeah, I, sort of. It snowed. Sort of. It snowed. A tiny. There was a little bit of white stuff on a flower pot in my garden. Was it snow? Yes. Right. It snowed in London, then, didn't it? And that uh, I said that as a result of that a major national newspaper would have a big story on its front page saying about how climate change wasn't happening and was um, a communist conspiracy. Yeah. Have you, have you got that, that front page? Don't think that happened. No. Uh, Don't think that damn. happened. The Daily Mail did have a story about how climate change is caused by underwater volcanoes, but <laughs> that was buried away on the inside and doesn't really count because that's the sort of thing they do all the time anyway. So does that make it one all? Uh, makes it nil nil. Yeah. No, you got a one nil, didn't you? You called it one nil last week. No. Oh, one nil to me. I see. All right, with you. Yeah. All right. One yeah. all then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on then. So that makes it your turn again. So one all. What do you reckon's going to happen? All right. So the green surge, right? You know. You know what I mean by the green surge? No. Okay. So lots of people have suddenly decided they like the Green Party. Oh. So many people, in fact, that they've now got more members than uh, the Liberal Democrats, more members than UKIP. And they are coming up the rails on the Scottish National Party. Okay. So it suddenly got very popular. And people, when they're asked in, in polls who are you going to vote for at the general election, an unprecedented number, up to 10%, are saying they're going to vote for the Greens. So this is called the Green Surge, right? Everyone's getting very excited. Mm-hmm. David Cameron's saying, I'm not going to turn up on the TV debates unless the, uh, the Green Party's leader is there, for his own cynical reasons, I'm sure. So, Green Surge, right? And... I think what's going to happen is that all of this niceness and kind of, oh, look, this fluffy little harmless party have become big is going to disappear and be replaced by a savage attack on the Green Party or some dirt digging. There's someone, a journalist going to sniff around and is going to find something really 
dastardly that someone in the Green Party has done and that's going to be front page news. I'm not suggesting they have done anything nasty. I just think there's going to be some sniffing around. So you mean like the Green Party equivalent of finding a like a UKIP councillor that said something crazy about Romanians and like the equivalent of that. So someone who, yeah, who, who yeah. went to a mad tofu wrestling party in their, in their teens or something. <laughs> That, that kind of thing. Please, please tell me you're talking from experience. Uh, not wrestling, exactly, no. no. <laughs> Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful, Dave. Are there any? There are always reasons to be cheerful. I, I'm feeling very cheerful. I've got a good one this week. It's going to cheer you right up. Bet it won't. Beavers. Beg your pardon? Beavers. What about them? You love beavers. What are you talking about, Ollie? I love beavers. Everyone loves beavers. There are beavers in the UK who are not going to be killed. That's what? So, What's happening? You know, you know the story. There's uh, beavers were a native species in the UK. They got shot and trapped and killed and whatever. Uh, stopped being a native species. Didn't exist. However, some are currently living, a small population living down in Devon. And the government were like, whoa, no, these are alien species let's get rid of them and then there was a big old consultation and some decisions anyway the upshot was they're not going to be got rid of they're going to be allowed to stay there doing their beavery thing this is good news there is as of today the number of native species in the uk has increased by one that's it is it what do you mean that's it? Every, well, every time I have a bath, I kill some sort of native species in the UK. What are you talking about? We've been talking in this podcast about the oil price and about climate change yeah. and about yeah. all the forests being chopped down. And all you've got is six aquatic rodents living in a river in Devon have got somewhere to live. But not just any Not just any. That's river, your Dave. reason to be cheerful, is it? They're living in the river otter. What is not to love about that? Beavers in the otter. You're a simpleton. <laughs> yeah, but I'm happy. Ugh. 2014, it was announced this week, was amongst the hottest years ever. 14 of the 15 hottest years ever have happened this century. Climate change is happening. We are all going to die, but it's all right because of six beavers. Yeah, but look at their teeth. Look at their little teeth in their big, swishy tails. Oh, I don't want to do this podcast anymore. I'm off. <laughs> All right, so that is it for this week. Sustainable four in the bag. Thank you very much, Dave, for your time. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks for yours, I suppose. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, listeners, both of you, all three or four of you. We're not sure. Mm-hmm. And multiple. Multiple, yeah. Thank you, as ever, to the wonderful Dickie Moore and Bearcraft who have provided our theme tune. Thanks, Dickie. Thank you to uh, the good folks at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all the places that, as you probably know by now, you can get hold of our podcast. And for Twitter, for giving us at the Babble Wagon, where we insist that you follow us and feed us morsels of delight. And we're still waiting for our very first email, sustainababble at yahoo.com. And if you like us, tell your friends, tell your family, give us a wee review on your favourite podcast platform because everybody needs a bit of sustainable in their life. They certainly do, including Mr Adrian Berry. If you know him, send him a link to our podcast, tell him we love him really, and if the world ends tomorrow, it's his fault. Will do. All right, Dave, see you next week. Bye. Bye.